We're going to continue in our series called The Way of Authority, and again, uh, we look at this baseline, um, this, this paragraph uh, that, that informs us on, on where we're going. And it says, before the term Christian was first given to the followers of Jesus in Antioch, they were called followers of the way. When those outside of the faith saw this group of ordinary men and women whose lives had been changed by Jesus, what they discovered was a new way of living. What they discovered was um, the life to the full that God had promised. And they were getting to watch people walk this out right in front of them. They were, they were seeing things happen um, that God had long promised. Uh, they, were, they were seeing things with their own eyes that took them back to the promises of, of, of the prophet Joel, who, who said that in the last days, my spirit will be poured out on all flesh, and there will be prophecy, and there will be miracles, and, and um, all of these things will be going on uh, right in your midst. And it's happening in, in the ministry, in the life, in the way that Jesus was living. This morning, I want to talk to you about the way of authority. Now, my, my early days of following Jesus, um, again, I came to faith when I was 16 years old and was uh, discipled in a church that uh, was very Bible-heavy but very experience-lacking. And what um, I started noticing as I was encouraged to read my Bible is I would open it up and I'd start to read things like blind people receiving sight. People being freed from demonic oppression. I'd read about healings and, and miracles. And with fresh eyes of faith, I began to question, why was the response to the way of Jesus so different in the time of Jesus than it was in the people that I was growing up in faith with? Why, why, was how, why was it that when someone was sick, and I read about it in the Bible, what happens? They get prayed for and the sickness goes away. When somebody's struggling and they're going through something deep, whether it's, it's an identity issue or there's some type of oppression or other spiritual activity going on in their lives, why, why was it than rather just saying, oh man, I'm going to pray for you and I'll put you on my prayer list? They were actually prayed for and set free. Why was it so different? Why, why were our prayers so weak and ineffective? I felt like mine were in the early days of walking with Jesus. I felt like someone would say, hey, would you pray for me? I'm, I'm I don't know, I'm feeling kind of down this week. And I'd say, I'd go and I'd just go, okay, um, Jesus help them not feel down. Amen. Or, or why was it when uh, we went around a circle of people where Jesus is right there in our midst, and we have an opportunity to say, hey, this is what I need in my life right now. This is where I'm broken. This is where I'm lost. This is where I, I feel like I just don't have an answer. 
And we felt that inside, that when it came to me, the word I learned to utter in the moment when it was time to express what was going on in my life so that I could receive the prayer that I desperately needed was unspoken. Do you remember that? I have an unspoken prayer request. That could be anything. Uh, okay, we'll pray for, pray for all the unspokens in the room. God, you know, so you'll take care of it. And I just kept thinking, there's got to be another way to do this. There's got to be a better way. Because this isn't working for anybody. And so uh, we read this, and, and I read this, and um, we're gonna, I'm going to read this again. This was known as the Great Commission, right? You can read that there. It says, then Jesus came to them and he said, all authority, all authority, that word, all authority, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, this was always like the big missions call. The, the rally, right? Church, everybody, get together. We're all called to fulfill the Great Commission, right? We're, we're to go out into all the world, and we're going to baptize people, and they're going to come to faith, and, and we're going to teach them stuff, and they're going to learn lots of things, and everybody's going to be happy Christians all over the world. Amen? Right? And then we get all excited, and we go out, and then... Nothing really happens. And then the next year, we have a big missions rally. And we throw this up there again. And everybody gets all excited. Yeah! This is who we're supposed to be. And then we don't really see much happen. I think because, I think the issue in this, and, and we're going to get into the rest of the stuff today, but I think the issue in this is I always read this as this is the first time Jesus sent the disciples out. And they had gotten all of this training and all of this preparation, and it was like they went to, like, you know, seminary and studied all this, this stuff at the feet of Jesus, and now they're really ready, so Jesus is going, okay, now it's time to go. And I think when it comes to us operating in our authority in Christ— we always feel like maybe we just don't have enough information to move yet. Maybe we haven't gotten enough training or the right kind of teaching. I mean, they got to hang out with Jesus, right? So, of course, they're going to be able to go into all the world and, and do this stuff. But maybe I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. And what I learned as I read Scripture is this isn't actually the first time Jesus sent them out to do these things. We'll get into that again in a minute. Put a pin in that. Everybody, pin. I see your pins. Everybody pin? Okay, thank you. Good. Um, so to get there, we need to, to unpack a couple of things. First, we need to understand what this thing called authority is. Because it is vital that, that we get it. 
and the difference between power and authority. See, power is the ability to do something or to make something possible. You have the power to do something, to make something possible, whereas authority is the legitimate right to use that power. So, for example, a traffic cop. When we're driving down the street and we see someone with a yellow thing on and a hat and they probably have a badge and they put their hand up, what do we do? Why? We don't want a ticket, right? Um, there's, some, there's some negative enforcement in there. But a traffic officer has been given both the power, right? The ability to tell you to stop or to send you off in another direction. They've been given that, that power to do that. That hand up is a powerful, powerful movement, isn't it? But they've also been given the authority, right? The legitimate right to use it. Now, again, snowstorm was massive this week. Sarah got stuck on a hill. And I got this phone call. And we have this new car and I'm going, oh no, the new car is going to go down the mountain into the Hudson. And we're going to lose it forever. Or somebody's going to hit her head on. This is going to be really bad. Um, so I uh, put my sneakers on, which is always appropriate footwear for going out into the snow. Um, and I went down to a neighbor and I borrowed some gloves. And I threw a hat on and I had like a hoodie and then my light jacket over it. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready for the snow. Thank you. I am thankful for my beard. I will say that, but I'll get into that later. Um, my neck was warm. So uh, I go trudging down, um, down the hill, as we're staying over in Nyack. So going trudging down the hill, and she had already kind of gotten out, and she went down to the Walgreens. So while I'm walking down the hill, um, I called David Schumann, and David, uh, for some reason, agreed to go down with me. He thought that would be a, a good idea. Um, so David and I are are trudging down the hill, and we notice that car after car after car is getting stuck. And then when the car in front of you gets stuck, what are you supposed to do? Stop, be patient, wait till they go, no, 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 this is New York. So people are like going around, they're like, oh, we don't need to be on the road, let's off-road this thing, I'm sure my, you know, Toyota Camry will survive well in the rugged terrain of the hillside. Right? So people are doing whatever they want. They're going all over the place. And I see David wanders into the middle of the road. Um, and if you didn't know this, I'm sorry. But David wanders into the middle of the road, and he just goes, stop. And people did. And I'm sitting there going, this is incredible. You don't even have a badge. But he did it with such authority. Like, he was supposed to be the one that did it. But here's the problem. After, like, two or three people, they realized David actually had no authority to stop traffic. <laughs> so then you had a row of cars in front of David, a row of cars behind him, people going around them and around them, and it was a mess, and we gave up and just kept walking down the hill. See, authority, real authority matters. Because any intersection that had a police officer at it, even if the traffic moves slow, it moved in order. It moved with thought and direction the way that it was supposed to go. And so, 
Authority is both the ability to make something happen, power, and the right, the legitimate right to use that power. Um, so now let's talk about spiritual authority. Because that's really what we're talking about when we're approaching Scripture. And, and we're talking about the stuff that Jesus is doing because um, Jesus isn't standing in the middle of Jerusalem directing traffic, right? Um, he's actually using his authority uh, to uh, affect what is going on in the lives of people in, uh, their spirit, in the spirit, in, in the heavenlies. Uh, there are two types of po- uh, things we talk about. We talk about dunamis um, and exousia. Power, this dunamis, right, Scripture tells us, it's received by the Holy Spirit. It is through the Spirit of God that we receive power, the power of God. Both within us, as, as the Holy Spirit is, is, is in power working in us, and we're partnering with Him to make us like Jesus. Those are all those things we talked about in this, this series. It's, it's, it's that, that thing he's doing while we're pursuing surrender and, and uh, intimacy with God and our identity is getting straight and we're learning how to rest. He works and he sanctifies us. But it's also power that, that, that falls upon us so that the Spirit of God can work through us. That we exercise the spiritual authority It is simply the right to use Jesus' power in Jesus' name. Spiritual authority means you have the ability to tell tell something in the spirit to stop or to direct it somewhere else. And in Jesus' name, you have the legitimate right to use it. Chuck Davis, uh, who wrote a great book called Authority Encounter. Um, if you need some more uh, thoughts or help on this, go back and get a copy of this and read it. But, but Chuck says, spiritual authority is the God-given right of rulership, rooted in a relationship with him through Christ, whereby we superimpose the rules, order, and impact of his world, the kingdom of God, over our world. That, that means that we must always consider that behind every single uh, thing that we look at and go, that's just a natural thing of this world that happens. We might always have to consider, since we're following in the way of Jesus, and Jesus' authority is a spiritual authority, that there might be something spiritual going on. And there's nobody else equipped on the face of the earth to do anything about it but the church. Now, Jesus' way of authority looked like this. When Jesus is walking the earth, he, he, he comes, he reads from Luke 4, he proclaims his authority. In, in this uh, account of Luke, Jesus gets up and he reads Isaiah 61 that talks about one that is coming to anoint uh, people with the Holy Spirit, to preach the good news, to release the oppressed, to heal people, and to release God's favor. He says, today, this is fulfilled in your midst. Jesus is proclaiming, I have been given all full authority by my Father to be the anointed one that Isaiah was writing about. So I have come to preach the good news, to release the oppressed, to heal those who are afflicted, 
and to release God's favor. Jesus then, after that proclamation goes, and he demonstrates this authority. Right? He goes out and he actually preaches the kingdom of God. He actually is laying his hands on the sick and healing them. He is taking spiritual authority. You see, all throughout the New Testament, him casting out demons. Didn't just proclaim it, he did it. And back to that Matthew 28, where I say that's not the first time he did this. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus delegates his authority. Again, when, when someone comes and they ask us to pray for them, and we go, uh, that's okay, God, you know, you'll deal with it. That seems to be very different than how Jesus set things up. See, he delegated his authority to you and to me and to his church. Here, he gives authority to the twelve, right? The twelve apostles, they go out, and they're driving out demons, and they're healing, and they're proclaiming the kingdom of God, and um, they're seeing God move in powerful ways. And then just a little while after that, he didn't just leave it to the twelve. So anybody says that these things that were going on um, were only things that the apostles could do, need to read the next chapter of Luke. Because then Jesus gathers 12 to 72 disciples around him. And the 72 go out, and they're driving out demons, and they're healing the sick, and they're proclaiming God's kingdom is come, and they're releasing favor, and they come back, and they're really excited. The Bible says, like, they come back rejoicing. They're so excited, they're going, we actually got to do this stuff. It, it's real. Man, we were like, telling demons to leave, and they left. We were praying for sick people, and they got healed. We were proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God has is, is come into people's midst, and they said, we want that. We will give our lives to that. I have a feeling that following Jesus this way actually can be pretty fun. Jesus delegated his authority, then we need to talk about the authority of the believer. It's this authority that's given at salvation. It is the outflow of the practice of surrender, intimacy, identity, and rest. Listen, the deeper we practice this way of Jesus, the greater the authority we walk in. He gives us authority but we can move in authority We practice these things. And when we do, then we are commanding things in Jesus' name. Scripture even says, like, say to this mountain, move, and the mountain moves. Like, throw yourself into the ocean, the mountain goes and throws itself in the ocean. We, we're able, as, as believers with Jesus' authority, to cast out demons, to set oppressed people free, to rebuke sickness, to just tell sickness to go away in Jesus' name. Can call wholeness into being Man. and release God's power over people through us. And Ephesians 1 says we are given the same level 
of authority as Jesus. You sitting right here, you know him and you're filled with his spirit. You right now at this moment have the same level of authority as Jesus. He said it is the same power that raised Jesus from the grave, Paul says, lives in you and in me. See, Jesus' way of authority, he came to say that the Father has given all things into my hands, and then he delegated that to say the Father has given all things into your hands. Church, what are we doing with what's in our hands? The authority that he's placed there. And yes, we live in what we call the now and the not yet of the kingdom. While we believe that the fullness of the kingdom of God is possible to come on earth, we do not yet see its fullness. That means we do suffer. That means we may pray for folks time and again. And we might not see any movement. But what this authority does is it gives us, in all situations, this ability to distinguish what is being used for the glory of God and what is oppression. That's vital. Because if we can't discern what is oppression in someone's situation, um, we, we are just going to walk through life pounded and, and as victims. Because the threat is real. And it seems to come at us wave after wave. If we learn how to use our authority, not just me, but we, learn to walk in authority, we, we will see the stuff happening that we, we read about in Scripture. I absolutely believe this. Here's how I know. Uh, Chuck, in his book, uh, wrote a story, um, and I want to recount this story to you. He said, a young couple is perplexed with the nightmares that wake up their two-year-old son every night. The son wakes up screaming in terror and wet with sweat and will not return to sleep. This repeats for months. They pray, get counsel, they try to comfort. They do everything they can imagine to do to help their son and bring sanity back to their household. They hear a teaching about their position in Christ, this authority. Especially their, infested, their invested authority as gatekeepers for their family. Without the little boy's knowledge, they anoint his room with oil and take on their authority. Their sons sleep straight through the night and peace is restored to their household. Right? We want that to happen in our households. Here's, here's, how, here's why this story uh, connects with me. is because that young perplexed couple was Sarah and I. Chuck was my seminary professor teaching a class called Power Encounter. And he was challenging us to start moving and walking in our authority. And when our son had, and I, had, I asked Seth's permission to tell this story, so I have his permission, but um, when he would wake up writhing in our arms at night, 
screaming. And there's nothing we could do to console him. We were at the very end, and Chuck asked, Chuck asked this question that we've been asked so many times. Well, would you consider that this is a spiritual problem? And so we did. And so he said, well, he, he had already talked about our authority, our, the authority that we carried in Christ. Um, positionally, that just as all things are under Christ's feet, as he's sitting on the throne, they're under our feet. And so we... Uh, went with a friend, and we, while he was sleeping, anointed Seth's room and um, prayed over him and said, in Jesus' name, we just command anything that does not glorify Jesus, that is, that is bothering Seth, to go away, to leave him alone. He and our family belong to Jesus. And they stopped. Except for about a week later, I hear some yelling from the back. He's asleep, but he's straight up yelling at me in his sleep. Tim! He's two. Tim! <laughs> yeah, I go back, and he's sleeping, but he's yelling at me in his sleep. And I just went, hey, hey, hey. I already said enough in Jesus' name. Leave him alone. That moment on, he never had another night's terror. It was right around that time that Anna uh, prayed to give her life to Jesus. Um, she's about five. Um, and uh, she had also been having some trouble sleeping. And, and uh, when we prayed right after she had, given, had, had prayed to Jesus... I said, you know, well, well, you know, like, now you have the Holy Spirit. You can ask anything in Jesus' name. What would you ask Jesus? And she goes, I would ask Jesus that I would have no bad dreams tonight. Okay, let's ask him. And she just goes, in her little voice, Jesus, help me have no bad dreams tonight. Okay, she goes to bed, and I'm praying. In Jesus' name, no bad dreams. Like, Jesus, release over her good dreams, like puppy dogs, rainbows, whatever is a good dream for a five-year-old girl. Like, give that to her. She wakes up the next morning. She runs into the room and, and so excited. She goes, Daddy, Daddy, I had such a good dream. I never had bad dreams. It's such a good dream. I said, okay, great. I was like, tell me about your dream. I'm like, okay, I'm ready for puppy dogs and rainbows. Here they come. She goes, I had this dream that the devil kept trying to light me on fire and put fire on me, but Jesus kept pouring water over me and putting it out. I went, whoa. <laughs> so we're meant to operate in our authority given to us by Jesus. It doesn't have to be a big, bad, scary thing. It just has to be something we do, though. We become a regular part of walking this way of Jesus. Talk just for a minute about some of the reasons we don't. And there are some obstacles to authority. A big one is worldview. 
We live in a world, in a world, um, we live in a world uh, that, you know, Rob Reamer would always say is, is, at one point was completely against anything spiritual, right? Completely modernistic. We just, everything was coincidence or, or just the natural way of the world and the way it's supposed to work. And then uh, uh, slowly over time, we're becoming increasingly spiritual, but we, we, we don't yet know as, as like humanity how to deal with this spiritual reality that's, that we're being awakened to, right? We as a church, we know. Right? Our scripture is full of telling us how to deal with the spiritual reality. But the world around us is still trying to figure that out. That's why you'll start to hear things like, oh, like, universe, you got me again. Right? There's, there's an awakening that there's something else going on, some other force or something that is affecting my life. Um, and I, I probably need to ha- do something or have something a little more spiritual going on in my life. Now, um, so worldview can be an absolute obstacle because we may just come from a background where people just, they just shake everything off and they go, God doesn't do stuff because spiritual things don't exist. You're just matter. And the effect of what's going on is because a butterfly flapped its wings in Nepal and this course of events happened and this is just another sequence in a course of events. And it will wash over, and the next thing will happen. We're just live subject to the natural world around us rather than have authority over it. Um, skepticism is another huge one. Um, we're just kind of skeptical and cynical. I think we're getting more and more. Um, it's getting harder for me to engage social media these days um, because the amount of skepticism and even cynicism that, that rises up Whenever there's anything that seems to be pure and real and whole, especially towards the things of God, um, it's getting harder and harder to, to deal with because we just don't want to believe. We just don't want to believe it. Fear. This obstacle of fear. Both the fear of what my life might look like if I start using my authority, the fear of what other people might say about me, I start operating my authority. Let's face it. If you start using your authority and someone comes up to you and is like, I have this cold, and you go, hey, can I pray for you in Jesus' name? They're going to go, you're weird. You go, no, I'm following Jesus the way Jesus intended me to follow him. But fear can be such, such an obstacle to authority. Our wounding. Some of us have, have been on the receiving end of abuse of authority. Um, guised as spiritual authority. Someone just operating out of their own wounding and hurt or agenda. Um, and we've been on the receiving end of, of that. And it's, it's left us hurt and a bit confused. And we, we just don't want to go there again. But remember, this is Jesus' authority. Any other authority in any other name is false authority. Just come back to the real authority released by Jesus through him. And, and we, we continue to use that authority to cultivate a safe environment here to operate in it. And then neglect. We just don't use it. I, feel, I really believe authority is like a muscle that we have to build up. And you use it or lose it. You never actually lose the authority because you always have it, right, positionally. 
Um, but if we're not using it, we just don't, we just lose it. We just don't do it. And we see nothing of the move of God happening in our midst. So from that, the, those instances of learning to do this with my kids to, you know, later uh, leading in a church and doing these other things, you know, I've, I've now seen with my own eyes and, and had my hands laid to a number of powerful moves of God as I've trusted him that he doesn't have to use me. I'm just a conduit. It's not about my performance. It's about his power and my obedience. And so if I'm obedient, I go, okay. Somebody somebody has walked in here with a limp today. We need to pray that they walk out without the limp. In Jesus' name, we just exercise our authority. That, that, that this gathering is more than just a show up. It's, it's, a, it's a training ground to move out to the proving ground, right? This is where we come and we learn of the things of God, where we worship deeply, where we receive prayer, where we gather in groups, where we do whatever it is. We learn how to do this stuff together so that we can engage the world, go out like, and be sent out like Jesus sends out. To our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Operating authority to see his kingdom come. So authority, I believe, and we'll talk about community next week. Authority is absolutely best practice in community. Absolutely. I, I would not recommend that anybody in this room, if you're like, I'm going to start moving in authority, that you would go out and just start doing it by yourself. At some point you can, if it's new to you, do it with a couple of people. Jesus sent them out two by two, like a couple of people, and they would go out and they would do it. He kind of knew what he was, he was doing because it keeps us encouraged. It, it, it releases to us a confirmation. When I was first learning how to pray in authority, and we would, we would have somebody in a circle, you know, and we'd pray for them. I'll put my hand on you. And we'd pray for them. We always did it with our eyes open. And everybody would be around the circle, and one person would go, I don't know, I'm seeing like this picture of some grapes. And, and you're like, that's the weirdest thing I ever said. But I said it there. I said it. And the person across from me with their eyes open, we go, I'm seeing the same thing. And we go, oh, my gosh. This is real. <coughs> God is moving. The Spirit of God is doing his thing in our midst. And people are getting free. And we do it together because we learn best together in community. Uh, we have a lot of opportunities to do that here. Thanks, Brett. I see, I see him making that move to get me some water. Um, authority is best practice, absolutely, in community. So our opportunities for community here <clears throat> are like, get involved in a river group. River groups are opening up scripture, praying over it, yes. You're having good conversations, yes. But there is ample time to pray over one another about things that are going on in life. And it's a great ground to learn how to do that together. Come up on Sunday morning. When the prayer team is up here, um, they're not up here like just as a service to you. You know that, right? Thanks, man. 
Mm, that's Pearl River water. <laughs> Thank you. Is this hand shucked? No. Um, but they're not up here just to, to serve you. They're here because they've gone through training to use the authority that God has given them to pray over whatever situation you find yourself in right now. Please do not neglect this. On the flip side of that, join a prayer team. Our prayer folks, they go through training. They're learning how to do this. They're doing it together. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Andrew, sometimes Andrew Constantino, will be up here and he'll have somebody with him. You ever see that? There's someone like standing right next to him because he's teaching them how to use their authority. They're learning how to do it together. We can learn how to do this together. And finally, jump into some workshops, like hearing the Father's voice, um, or simple prophetic, or some of these other opportunities that we give. Like, there's a lot of opportunity to, to walk in the authority that Jesus has given us. The opportunities abound. We just have to come to an agreement that this is the way of Jesus. There is no better way to do or live life that we would come back like the 72 rejoicing. Sunday morning we come back, we like, man, if there's a Sunday where I didn't have to preach because there were too many stories that needed to be told of what happened during the week because we were walking in our authority, I'd gladly give that up. And so I invite you to, to walk in this way of Jesus. Jesus.